And welcome back to the Gymnazo Podcast. I am your host, Michael Hughes, co-hosted with uh, our man of programming, our man of education, and well, flow artist, CJ Kulbiska. Excited to have him here. Excited to be chatting about an Instagram post and um, the triggering concepts that come with only taking a, about 100 plus characters and throwing it into something and not having context around it. So uh, we're going to dive into essentially this concept of what do people mean when they say progressive overload? What do people mean when they talk about training and conditioning and that you should use the same battery of exercises pretty much relentlessly and aggressively to build fitness? And so we have a few opinions on that. We want to kind of break down how we view um, the best workout programs and how that consists of in all the different ways that functional training can really be applied to real life, to sport, and um, to always have the um, ambition that we need to become smarter and more adept to this training and conditioning as trainers, as coaches, and as athletes. So uh, I'm excited about it because this is going to be a deep dive. Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches. This podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. So CJ, when we kind of talked about this um, Instagram post, you know, despite what IG will lead you to believe, the best workout programs will always consist of the same battery of exercises repeated relentlessly, aggressively, and progress and progressively. Where's, where's your mind go? That's what I learned. That's that's how I know it. Just to do the same exercises over and over and over again, and um, it makes me think about all the plateaus I've hit and the internal conversations I've had. Of this is it. This is this is now the rest of my life. Um, high school me is happy with just loading up the weight, putting up weight up on cleans, on bench press, on squats, on, uh, you know, mile times too, like running and, mm-hmm. and, uh, sprints, you know, 40 yard dashes, but kind of like a staple of a few core exercises that I was always working to improve. Um, and it makes me think about how boring that was and not only boring, but, um, limiting, and since then, opening my eyes to what progressively, progressively overloading something actually means uh, to me, not just the definition, which uh, when I was looking up the definition of progressive overload, it just simply said, when you gradually increase the weight, frequency, or number of repetitions in your strength training routine, which is a solid definition, but again, limiting. Yeah, they're assuming that it's load, like weight, mass, physics of an actual object. But overload does not necessarily mean that. What else does it mean? 
I mean, well, in the definition, it was load, but also the frequency or number of repetitions. So That's it's, true. it's yeah. rate, it's duration. Um, but with the emphasis on load, it's, do it's more al- weight. the goal is always go a little yeah. bit heavier. Exactly. Um, unless it is something you're not doing with weight, it's to go faster or to do it for longer, like a pacer test or you know, something that you just continue to see yourself improve in. Um, but now, since working with a lot of individuals from the ages of gosh, eight to eight to 80 and plus, it's not always about just adding weight. You know, progressive overload is beyond just the sports realm. Progressive overload can be taken into uh, lifestyle. And depending on what your intent is, what your lifestyle is, that progressive overload goal should change or that routine should change. And depending on where you're at in your life, it'll probably change quite often. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's so much more than load rate duration. It's, it's ranges of motion. It's, it could be neurological as well. Coordination wise, you're progressively overloading and adding pieces on top of, um, like more complexity, more coordination pieces, timing, sequencing, even adding just language to what I, you know, you know, emotion and then you exercise it and do load. Okay. Oh, this is great. But there's no deeper connection with my mind or my body besides that I can go heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always looking to progressively overload my connection to self, um, to what I'm actually doing as an expression. Can I go deeper and express myself through the exercises, through um, even more progressively overloading through flow? What the heck does that mean? It's flow more. It's flow more naturally. It's flow more effortlessly. It's move Freely, And I think that's what progressive overload should really be about is getting you to a place where you find your ease in your ultimate ease in all motion. <laughs> load, rate, and duration are three different things. And the way that we look at overloading, we have a list of 10. So we just listed, we just listed three. Now there's more than 10, but just to sim- simplify it. So we like to think about overloading as we can overload an environmental change, not just a speed, not just a uh, duration, or not just a mass change. We can overload um, the way that a sequencing is done by what part of the body moves first. Is that If that really complicates things for you, think about, are you going to swing a golf club and drive with your hands first? You can drive with your hips first. You can drive with your thoracic spine first or drive with your foot first. You're going to throw something, right? So think about where the power comes from. We think we can also um, overload something from in what we call a triangulation. What angle is it going in? Um, what um, overall height is it going in, and then how far is it going? You, you, you mentioned range of motion. And then we can also overload, obviously, just the action. We can be in a position, but change what thing we're doing in that position. Let's say we're in a stride stance, which is basically walking, gait, whatever the case is. We can do so many different actions in that stride stance, and all those things can be progressively overloaded. And if you look at all those combinations of those other seven that I just added, you're going to get beyond what this particular comment section was talking about, about 15 to 20 different drills should be done repeatedly, aggressively, and relentlessly. You said something about like uh, all the exercises change the action in terms of position. Like thinking about progressively overloading a position, that's, it's, it's, it's just an interesting concept. Um, it's something that is so yeah. powerful too because it changes the, the whole, I think, vision or view, the lens of what progressive overload is which is that limiting more strength side of things right um, to asking you individually every single person your client your your athlete your coach yourself 
Um, what is your intent? Like, what do you want to get better at? And it changes it from just this technique-based mm-hmm. progressive overload to principle-based. Like, what's the thing about gait, the principles of gait, and how you can progressively overload those? Well, now in every single exercise you ever come up with, if you're intentionally aware of how you're integrating those principles into your positions, you're now progressively overloading more than these 15 to 20 exercises that say that's all you really need. Um, I think it's a good starting point, but having that intent of the principles and then integrating those, thats that in and of itself can be a progressive um, path. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's that's really what it comes down to is more and more. Is, you know, as we're talking about these kind of deeper dive topics, yes, the people need to really do a good job of getting good at the fundamentals. Pushing, pulling, reaching, squatting, swinging, you know, I can go into our, our exact list. You have to start there. For crying out loud, you've got to start there. Like we do a sagittal, frontal, transverse plane lunge all the time. All the time. Because we believe that's a fundamental way that the human body needs to function with a stride stance, loading, transferring weight from one foot to the other foot. And uh, that is something that is kind of a staple at gymnasium, or at least in our thinking, in our methodology of um, MDMC. If you don't know how to do a lunge step pivot flow, then we're going to have some problems. So that's our dogma in a sense. Like we all have, we all have something, but if it stays there, we got some real, like I said, we got some real limiting problems. And if a coach can't progress a client away from that and that client feels like they're bored, I think that's another problem. It's an imagination problem because function outside of these gym walls is really what progressive overload needs to have into consideration. Because the fitness is not the answer. Physique is not the answer. That's what the industry has led us to believe. That has what, what my kinesiology upbringing, quote unquote, has led me to believe, that you have to test these things. If you get better at these things, you're fit. You're a healthy human being that's going to function well in, in society. And I would say kind of. Kind of. Hmm. You said something about the, the step pivot um, and saying, like, if you can't do that, like, we're going to have some issues. And I think that's a that's tough to grasp as a coach who doesn't do, like, three-dimensional, intentional planar training because, like, ah, oh, that has its own little dogma to it. But it's just a change in priority. And where you prioritize your foundation, your fundamentals, is going to limit not only your own coaching but your athlete's success. I mean, we think about um, kind of in an industry right now, general consensus for fitness is muscles move bones. Let's train muscles. Mm-hmm. Move bones, move your body. But what is it that's turning on those muscles? Like if all we're doing is just progressively overloading those muscles, how many times can we say progressive overload today too, by the way? I'm adding progressive overload, progressive overload. <laughs> but if we only focus on training those muscles and like that aesthetic or – um, the technique itself to get the best of the technique to lift the most and be in competition. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, recognize the limitation that's put on for overall function. We come from the mindset that our training should make our people better outside of the gym, not better inside the gym. That comes too, but better outside the gym. So if all we're focusing on, on is movements that are with a barbell or with a specific weight for the specific technique that has been studied to improve and show that you have power and you have strength that can carry over to real life, 
What if there's another layer, which there is, that helps those muscles move even better and the bones move even better more intentionally and move their body more intentionally through space? We'd call that proprioception. We train, we progressively overload proprioception. Um, not to say that it's all a bunch of variety, like it's just a bunch of random stuff that we're doing and playful stuff, which has its place as well, but it's intentionally placed to look at the transformational zones people will be in, positions and actions they will actually do in real life, to talk about them that way, and then to to train them in multiple directions so that their proprioceptors know how to handle um, and talk to the muscles in terms of speed, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of pressure, tension, in terms of, uh, I mean, we, we deceleration, excel. There's a lot of things. Yeah, think things. about all the things proprioceptors do and where they're at in our body. If we focus on that first, and then that is our intent going into the positions and actions we're doing to train the muscles. The muscles become a byproduct. You're going to get the gains, but if you're again, you might not get the intent. You might not get the gains that you'll get if you're just prog- progressing into more muscle and more hypertrophy. Like, oh, but that person looks way more fit. It's like, but are they? Have them go pick up a wheelbarrow that's not balanced. Have them go kick a soccer ball when the grass is slippery. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't matter. That's not, they don't need strength. It's like, yeah, there's a lot more strength here, but it's in terms of proprioception, how their body's able to respond to an environment and react and respond in a way that is sound. They're not going to get hurt, but also they're going to enjoy themselves more because they're more fully connected and embracing their their training. Yeah. It's not boring. <laughs> it's not no, it, and, uh, and 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 it provides really what the human body truly is. It's a it's a very capable spherical body. That uh, that spherical body meanings it, it, it likes to access multi different facets. And if we train our proprioceptors, not knowing that we are, to do fundamental movement patterns only, and an aggressive progressive overload faction, then they're going to get really good at those things. But that's the problem. They're going to get really good at just those things. And so to bring up this whole concept, like we don't really train muscles. We train movements. And that's not a, we didn't invent that term. But if you're really, really, really focused on that, then you're going to understand and take the time to say, okay, new client, you may have some, some movement literate deficiencies, meaning their vocabulary of movement is limited. Just like a four-year-old only can say certain sentences. When you're 40, you better be able to speak more defined or purposeful than a four-year-old. And I think where the fitness industry is, is we're teaching 40-year-olds how to speak and move, quote-unquote, like a four-year-old. It's all about the fundamentals. Make sure your squat is dialed in, knees over toes, hips back, ear in line with your ankle bone, and you're set. And I would say, wow, I mean, great job, but you're 40, man. It's time to start getting away from, can you say the ABCs? And that's where I feel that's where our industry is. And it's all, it's all over the place. It's I, all over the place. I will say, though, many people can't say their ABCs in terms of f- f- movement training. No, and I get because, it. But I think it's because it's been bastardized so much in terms of, like, you got to just do the fundamentals and this is it. Because then you build this one railway. When you're trained, your movement, your body, your mind wants to move in all directions. And maybe I'm just being biased, which I, I am. I like to move in all directions. And I know that training one way, I've been there. And I've gotten really, really strong. I'm definitely not lifting as much weight as often as I can uh, or as, as often as I was. Um, but I feel so much better. And I'm still capable of moving heavy weight. But it's, 
there's a there's more paths, there's more opportunity, there's more potential versus I am doing this and I don't do that. It's like, well, okay, if I if I've got somebody who just wants to work on their cleans and work on their squats, cool. But if they also want to work on their running, if I just give them cleans and squats, they've got really good upper body and lower body strength, right? They're yeah. going to give them what they want. But then they go run and they go hurt themselves when they're doing a trail run. Or they're not that good at it. They're, they're a just... strong dude, strong chick, whatever, right? But but that doesn't mean they make them fluid. doesn't make them cross-rotate their hips and their pelvis. When clean and power, literally zero of, of, of that movement pattern. It, I, you know, I just, I want to, obviously we're picking apart something, you know, and with the picking apart, you can pick apart almost anything. But the point of this is to realize, wait a minute, let's open up our eyes to the, to the really, to what's really be going on. So we don't, we aren't led by just some authority figure leading um, a thought process and I'm not, you know, we're technically authority figures. You know, we have, a, we have a, a following. So I'm not saying people just follow exactly what we say either. But what I am saying is think. Think. Really analyze. You know, understand what these, what these things mean because then you can start making decisions on your own. Meaning you're, an, you're a trainer, you're an athlete who has a client who has learned the ABCs already because you've taught them that. And say, okay, What's next? What's next? Is it just a longer workout, a longer run? Is it just a weight vest now? Is it just slapping on some some more 10-pound weights on that bar just to progressively push them further and further? I hope not. I really hope not. Because we're basically just saying we only know how to tweak or progress someone in three distinct ways. And life is not about that whatsoever. That's yeah. just not how it goes. It's almost like we're like two machine-based training. And yeah. I'm not saying just the machines we use, but we are thinking of our body and our brain like a machine when it's so much more. It is. A, it's a, it's a, like an AI bot. It's a mirror it's, of our environment. Yeah, and it, what do we see our environment do? It's, it's chaotic, but it's ordered. There should certainly be order to your training. Oh, well, it has to be. Right? It's got to be. Right. Yeah, there is such thing as, as called progressive. And I like, you know, this random, like every workout's different every day. Honestly, that's the opposite end of the spectrum, and I think that's just as limiting. Can we break that down a little bit? Because sure. when we say that, we literally have a work a different workout every single day for an entire four weeks, and then it's repeated uh-huh. for three months. Yep. So you'll only see the same workout three times ever in a year. The same order of exercises, the same equipment, the same loads. And so I think on the outside, as a perspective of, of a programmer, initially it's like, there's so much. Think about six exercises per day, six days a week, so Monday through Saturday, that makes six times six, that's 36 exercises, times four weeks, what do we got? <laughs> Sorry, I got a notification 30, 30, 30, 30, 36 times four, 120 plus 20, 144, there perfect, oh, that's a great, I knew that one. God yeah, damn. we knew that 144 yeah. exercises. Yeah. 144 different exercises. Now, let's break this down even further, because it's not 144- completely different exercises, although they have some similarities. They have some... Um, Quite a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities. It's yeah. based off of the fundamental movements, like you mentioned earlier. It's a lunge, there's squats, there's pushes, there's pulls, there's reaches, there's lifts, there's locomotion, and there's vertimotion. Those eight will come up in every single workout. So then, well, there's a lot of variety of every single one of those. You can lunge infinite different ways. 
And I, I promise you it's infinite. I've tried to count. <laughs> it's, it's beyond our ability to count them. No, you can only lunge forward, backwards, sideways, and rotationally. Those are the pure well, ways. Well, that's, yeah. And then we extrapolate further. At what range of motion? Are you doing it onto a box, off a box, onto a wedge, onto those, something? Right? They just, the those, are the different, on on. those are the different tweaks that we were talking about. Load rate duration. You can put a Viper in your hands, power block in your hands. You can put a right. person in your hands. Like, whatever you want. So there's so many different options. So where do you start as a programmer, as a coach who's saying, well, holy shit, Pandora's box has just been opened. We're going to do it all. Because that's where I was too. Right? There's like too much variety. Mm-hmm. But you got to you got to kind of set the stage of what that's going to look like in terms of what's the intent for this month or what's the intent for this quarter, which is like the micro and mesocycles and macro cycles. Right. Like surrounded upon that demographic for group training or the individual for one-on-one training. Totally. Um, and, and being able to then relay this to your athlete too, and say, Hey, we're gonna do this different stuff today. It's like, we're going to work on lunges all year long. We're going to work on squats all year long. We're going to work on presses, on pulls, on locomotion, vertimotion, reaches, and lifts. There's certain kind of lifts we want to improve, more traditional stuff, kind of the teddy bears, the hugs that people are like, ah, I really like doing cleans. I really like doing snatches. I want to do my swings. It's like, yeah, those are super important and fun drills, but let's not get stuck in the muck of just doing those things over and over and over again. Though you will get better at them, your formal cleanup, there will be a point where you hit a plateau and you cannot go heavier. Anything novel you start, and then keep practicing, your gains are going to go through the roof, right? You've never done a rotational lunge before, body weight, that's off balance. Two weeks later, you throw a 20-pound weight in there. Two weeks later, you're now 50 pounds. And then in a couple months, you're like, I'm throwing a barbell on the back of my shoulders, and people look at me funny because I'm doing a rotational lunge, saying I'm gonna, they're going to hurt myself, that I'm going to hurt myself. You've been progressively overloading that mo- mobile range mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. So if you go in with the intent that, okay, you have these 15 to 20 basic exercises or drills or techniques, how can you get even further along your progressive overload scale of how you can progress it? And again, that's, that's what we, we pose, I think, to not only our, our team and athletes, but to every single trainer out there. That's how you level up your athletes, not just become faster and stronger, but to become better movers, to become more embodied to have more control, not only physically, but now mentally and emotionally, because they're all connected. Um, we've got to think about these other layers of human nature that's beyond just the muscle heads, like just beyond looking good. There's a lot of byproducts that come with going to those deeper critical thinking layers of how we can overload the system, right? And that's, and that's a big factor, because if you can start to understand those different um, growth S-curves, so not to get too, too crazy in this, but like, Basically, all gains are an S curve. If you if you ever we've all looked at an S curve, right? The bit, the beginning of the curve is a slow, long duration, very slow growth. It goes it rides the X axis pretty far. Y axis is up, X axis is left, left and right. And then finally, as you start to understand the technique, then as you said, that's when that growth happens. It's a sharp climb up that Y axis, and then it starts to level off it starts to go back to a flat curve again and that's where you met the potential of your body's movement you can only load so far right there's you don't the human body has its physical limitations and the cool thing is we're always pushing them it's awesome when the four minute mile was broke guess what we started crushing it but it's still been that's still on that slow growth curve we're not crushing the three mile we're not crushing the two mile right that would have been progressive so if you can start to throw in more s-curve growth points as you were describing, with 
taking that lunge, that forward lunge, but adding a, tr- a rotation same side. That means spinning to the same side of the leg that's in front of you. What about spinning to the opposite side? That's a, that's a massively different feel. And it's a whole different movement technically, right? It's, Te- it's the yeah. same position or same kind of action, but you just completely change the conversation with gravity. And proprioceptors and your feel and your even the intent could change. So it's really this is what really we, we wanted to bring up is that is that there don't don't be limited in your scope. Don't be limited in how you think about human movement. That these 15, 20 drills are what you gotta do, and like, gosh, I just gotta be boring. That's what it said. I'm gonna be <laughs> what good. A life, dude. I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be a good trainer because I'm doing the same stuff. I'm really giving them the, it's like three square meals. I'm just giving them three square square meals. That athlete will eventually leave. This is going to happen. Or they're going to be so disciplined in their routine that that's what keeps them there because it's the discipline that keeps them there. Life is about variety with, with this mindset that get good at something before you get something better at something else. We're not good multitaskers. We've known that for a long time. So don't go too crazy in your variety. But if you don't add enough, uh, enough variety, you're going to start tearing up ligaments, tearing up joints, tearing up uh, your own mindset because it just gets boring. Movement should not be boring ever. Go to a park for crying out loud. I bet there's more than 15 or 20 moves that, that you're going to do. Find a tree. Find a tree for ground. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. That tree will teach you a lot. So yes. What are the things I could do with this tree? If this is all I had in life, how could I progressively overload it? Don't just go sit and look at the tree and squat. I mean, actually, you could. That could be a good meditation. Yeah. Just stare at this tree and squat until you can't squat anymore. You said, some, you said something and I had a visual of uh, waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to be boring today. I'm going to be boring. <laughs> yeah. And pulling myself up. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, no. It's quite the opposite of that. And <laughs> I woke up this morning and I try to wake up this every, every single morning and say this little mantra quote. And I just threw that into my mindset as well. Like, yeah, that doesn't inspire me to get, to get going. But back to the point. Back to the point is, is that we have a gift of movement. And as a trainer, it is our job to unlock the potential of the physicality, of the mentality, and even as of the soulfulness of that athlete. You know, how you do that obviously dramatically changes. Um, but it's really important. It's really important that we can, A, define what people mean. We can look at people's context and say, hey, you know what? That, all right, right on. That's a cool post. Cool. But I'm not going to be limited by, by that thought process because we're talking about physics here. We're talking about the infinites of movement potential. We have to progress this industry. We have to take our knowledge and and basically software download. You know, our our hardware is pretty much cons- it's consistent. The human hardware does not get upgrades like a computer does. We progress as on an evolutionary process, extremely slow of the mammals, extremely slow. But what we can get updates on is our software because we have not reached the limit of our potential. And I believe, I feel, it is my, it is my way of thinking that since the, about the 1970s all the way to about mm, 2000, the fitness industry plateaued. 
It was about physique building. That was the massive focus. Jane Fonda did a pretty good job about pushing us to more movement, but even that hit a massive, let's just all do steps. Let's all spin on a bike. Let's all just do the same power class with the same barbell and the same moves. Basically, it was infiltrated by that way of thinking. Now we have boutique fitness out there, which are starting to specialize in certain ways of doing things. Great, broke it up a little bit. But now we're in a new iteration called the movement trainer. And that's where we have flows now. Now, the, the, you know, all these cool little things called a, a rope or a mace and even a viper are not really brand new things. They've just been iterated in a way to understand that, wait a minute, I don't think a barbell should be seven feet long or eight feet long, whatever the case is, be 44 um, or 45 pounds or whatever the case is. They should be more diverse and more exciting. I don't think a weight should be just be loaded equally on both sides. Oh, here comes the mace. Oh, I don't think we should just take a rope and just jump over it. Maybe there's other things that we can do with it. Or I don't think a power or a, a dumbbell should just be for cleaning and flying. Shoulder flies. I think it'd be used for a lot of other things. And that's where I, I'm really excited about where these things happen. Yes, we can't play the game of just throw something on the wall like spaghetti and hope it sticks. That's not programming. But sometimes it does stick, and you're like, oh, that's going to be not, cool. not exactly. It's true, but not for every workout. But at the same time, we can't just say, oh, make sure your knees are over your toes all the time. Like, though, to me, though, that's like the spectrum. And if you're on either side of that spectrum, you're not a great coach. I'm just going to say it. You're not. You're a coach. Doesn't mean you're a great coach. Always and never are bad words. I, would, I <laughs> agree. <laughs> we don't say this in my house. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say to me? Always do this? No, I, I swear I do. So, but if you are doing those things, then understand that you have your own S-curve in your own education, your own mind, and you may be on a plateau. There's another S-curve out there, and we're trying to define it. We didn't invent it. We're just defining it, and we're putting it out there so people can understand that what we learned in our books, in, in our typical exercise science classes, what we're learning from our basic certification, you know, CPTs, whatever the case is, what we're learning for even the more advanced CSCSs, or even the highly advanced $100,000 three-year physical therapy schools. That's not all that's out there. I think that's really what we're trying to say. Just because you have XYZ doesn't mean you understand the full ship on the whole, in all, in all the directions. And so if you're saying this is the answer, oof. You say, wait a minute, this is an answer. What other answers are there out there? And that's the software stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm really, really trying to just kind of open the mind to. So with that being said, what is that? What is that? I was just thinking like of examples of, of how we individually progressively overload, not just in terms of fitness, but in, in life. How do we adapt? If we don't adapt, we die. If we don't adapt, we don't grow. It's like, that's how we grow. And I was just... Reflecting um, as you're saying saying those things about the industry and, and kind of where we're going as a movement trainer, that life is movement, so there's always an opportunity to progress. And it's easy to get caught up in trying to progress, progress, progress. And be like, oh, I have to be on the next level up. Mm. But it's also it's as much vertical as, as it is horizontal in terms of adaptation and growth and progressing. Um, so I was thinking of... Um, 
just recently this past, since the pandemic, picking up a kettlebell and learning to flow with it and, and juggle it and um, being inspired by a lot of people through Instagram and seeing like, man, like the, I don't even know what way they're throwing, but that's definitely heavier than mine or, you know, all these things. And it's like, there's, there's movements, techniques to progress with every piece of equipment, with every intent. And so like for me with, with kettlebell juggling, I started with a 10 kilogram pink, bright pink kettlebell. Love that thing. And just started swinging it and getting a feel for it. And thinking back of just the depth of feel I have now of that kettlebell. My hand doesn't just grab the kettlebell. It holds the kettlebell. It, the kettlebell holds me, you know, like that, that in itself is a progression mm-hmm. that I don't feel vulnerable as vulnerable as when I first started like that kettlebells metal. That can thing can hurt me if I drop it on my toes. It's like, oh, work out barefoot, become aware of it, swing it around and recognize the feel of that metal having momentum and you putting momentum into it versus gravity pulling momentum into it. And again, there's depth that not everybody wants to explore, but, or has to explore. Well, and you have to explore it because it's called taking your trash can up by the curb. There's momentum. There's depth. There's pulling you down that apron ramp, right? (laughs) It it pulled me back into my experience. Like the progressive overload of the thing that I was swinging at the kettlebell. Now I have when I am doing the dishes, like I grab a dish and I hold it differently. I throw that thing into the dishwasher, and it just lands perfectly after a triple flip into the first <laughs> rack where I aimed at. Not really, but that's next. That's where I'm progressively overloading too. You yeah. feel me? Yeah. Um, I get out of bed. I get out of bed differently. It's, it's like these things have non-specific gains as long as we can explore the depth while we're training it. Um, I spoke with Leo Savage, and, and one thing he said is, uh, is that lifting? Yes, yeah, yeah. is that lifting is expression. It's not, any kind of lift is expression. Anything you do is expression. We're always expressing it, but we're not always connected with that expression. And um, I'm one to go into those deeper layers and journal about these things just to find more meaning in my experience. That's already there. Um, and so just bringing that into every single exercise you do, I think it's a great way to step away from all these negative thought forms and feedback loops that we've, as a society, kind of pulled ourselves into. Of Like, I have to do this. I'm not strong enough. And I need to do more. And like, that's almost like why we are progressively overloading just weight, speed, and duration or endurance is because we're stepping away from the real, the real overload, which is just connect more with this present moment of your expression, of how you're doing it, why you're doing it, what you're doing. Um, yeah, that's kind of where my mind, my mind goes on that one. Yeah. And a little and, tangent, but... Yeah, well, and that's good because it, for a trainer listening to that, be like, oh, great, CJ, I really understood and heard you. <laughs> what does that mean? And that's why in the fitness industry, Instagram's so awesome because you can visually see it, right? You know, we're such visual people, I believe. Visual kinesthetic people as movement trainers, we need to see it. Um, and we need to replicate it and maybe even just copy it just for the sake of our learning and then we can grow from there. Um, but what that means is that, you know, think about, I, I mean, when I first started thinking about multidirectional, three-dimensional to be, to be more specific movement patterns, and someone said to me, Michael, when was the last time that you did a plank and just didn't, and but did anything but just hold that plank? And I'm like, that's what a plank is. That was my, and, and my thought was like, I was like, what, what do you mean? That's a, that's what a plank is. That's the definition of a plank. And this lady, um, Lisa is her name. She says, no, 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 that's just what you know of a plank. And I'm like, all right, I'm intrigued. She says, a plank is a position. 
but that doesn't mean that position is static. I was like, oh, all right. So like, what do you mean? Like dive deeper says, well, how many movements do you have possible? And I was like, uh, um, like, what do you mean? Like a lot? She said, well, just think about a compass. What are the real, th- what's, what's the three things that a compass can tell you? Well, it tells you where north is. It tells you where south is. That's pretty simple. It tells you where east and west is. That's simple. But the compass also spins as you spin. So it can tell you a, an angulation change, a rotational change. I was like, oh, okay. It says, now go, she didn't tell me. She didn't show me anything. She said, now go do a plank a movement plank with those three things in mind. And I literally went down on my elbows on the blue pads at Kennedy Club Fitness here in San Luis Obispo uh, 12 years ago. And I said, north-south. So I actually rocked onto my forearms, rocked back onto my toes. I was like, okay, that's kind of forward and back. I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. My hips can go up towards the ceiling and then down towards the floor. That's also kind of forward and back too. So if I took that into consideration, then I shifted to one elbow load or forearm load and the other elbow load and the corresponding toe and foot. So that's kind of side to side. But then I actually drove my pelvis literally towards the wall and then towards the open space. Okay, that's kind of side to side. It's like, what's the spin? And I did this funky little humping the floor move, like a big old orbital, like just going for it. You know, it's like, oh, that's kind of like a rotation. But then I didn't do that and I stuck in place and pivoted like, like on an axis. Like, oh, that's kind of spinning too. But that wasn't it. That was just the basics of it. I could have crawled forward. That's still a plank. It's a crawling plank. I could have literally rolled like a breakdance move. That would have been a rotating crawling plank. So, you know, you start to understand, like, wait a minute. What do I overload? What do I progressively overload? All of it. How? Uh, uh, Start with the basics. (laughs) When does it end? It doesn't. It ends when the intent of that goal is reached. That's when it ends. Wow. That was, that was the intent of this podcast. Was, <laughs> there's nothing more to add. <laughs> that was beautiful. That, that is the process of discovery. And that is, I feel like that's how weightlifting started. That's, how, that's where all the strongmen and stuff, it's like, how many ways can I lift this thing? What's the most awkward way I can lift this? What's the most awkward weight I could lift? And then in that became strong in all directions. And then we did a lot of science and breakdown and reductionist right. and said, okay, these are the drills that we need. to make. But the these are the better. drills we studied. Right. These aren't the drills that were actually used to create the science and the philosophy of this practice, strength training. What went into developing strength training? A lot of funky-ass positions, a lot of heavy-ass loads, moving quickly. I mean, it probably looked ridiculous. Something like what we're doing right now. Yeah, I would say so. But like, it's not as ridiculous anymore. It just makes sense. Well, it, to me, like, like I said, I think there was a plateau in the industry from the 70s to the 2000s. Mm. A plateau that wasn't progressive. That was like, let's just get really good at this one thing. Who invented the barbell? Why was that a good idea? I'm just a question. Just, you know, we should be able to question things without being like, oh, you don't like it. I'm just asking a question. When was it a good idea to lay down on a bench and push that bar away from you? When was it a good idea to throw that on your back and say, this is how you do it? This is the standard of fitness and strength. A power clean and a snatch, like those actually make a lot of sense. 
that's, that, I mean, that's, they, those make a, a, Olympic lifting, um, even a, a deadlift, clean, snatch, push jerk, make a lot of sense. To really get really good at that, it takes aggressive consistency and boring work of just doing that over and over again. Yes. If you're going to be at the highest level of it. Right. But not, but, not everybody needs to be at the highest level of, no. in terms of how much weight you can Because someone instead. took a big branch and needed to throw it over a fence, whatever. Even a fence is back then, some rock wall or down into a ravine, and they did that. But some said, well, what if we make it completely symmetrical? And what if we make the, you know, it's just so perfect. the question posed. was, but that sounds unnatural. Why would we do that? <laughs> <laughs> we flipped the switch. We complete polar opposite now. <laughs> exactly. But then science got into it, and how does science really do well? How does, excuse me, how does, um, how does, um, um, journal, uh, scientific data get really well. They need control parameters that are consistent. And life's not consistent. It's never consistent. Oh, ever. I said that word never, man. Uh, it's not. I think, I, I, think I, I can do that though, right? I think it's never always consistent. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's always never consistent. It's always never consistent. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are a lot of consistencies, but... Every day is different. Every day is different. In fact, the part that actually ruins the human body the most is too much consistency. Always, never too much consistency. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is. That's, that's, that, 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 that's what happens. I think the, the moral of the story is be, be consistent, but be consistently exploring. Yeah. And get good at something. And once you're good at it, move on. Move on. And then come back to it. To like, you know, like yeah, recognize yeah, right. where you're at. Like use those plateaus and those moments like, man, I'm not getting as strong as I once was. Like, no, you are stronger than you once were. Now where are you going to keep growing in that strength? And I think the, kind of the takeaway message would be when you recognize that, now try something new. Maybe go scroll on Instagram and look at some cool exercises. Like that's interesting, but don't just do it to do it. Do it to explore it. Do it to understand where is your body at in reference to what it can do. If somebody else's body can do something, your body can do something. But it may be different for where you're at in your life and what you're Maybe you see a contortionist do something with crazy load on their back and do some splits. Maybe don't just go right for it. Like oh, consider consider yeah. your level, obviously. Disclaimer here. But we can all use each other as like reflectors, as mirrors to show each other what's capable and not get too caught up in like I have to progress in this one route. There's so many routes. 15 to 20 routes. You're going to, if we write six exercises per workout, that's just how we do it for our group training. We're going to get through that in three days. Use those 15 to 20 exercises as foundations. Oh, I don't know what those 15 are that, what, what, um, that was referred said. to, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. As yeah, we definitely have 15, to 20 foundational thought processes about a particular movement, position, action. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to go back to this last point again. You know, the last point again. The human body breaks down the most rapid, the, 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 the quickest, with overload of the same. It's, you, look at, you look at everything that has a, a shelf life in our mechanical world, the more it does that rep- that repetitive thing over and over again, the sooner it breaks. Any examples? Yeah, I'm just thinking like somebody comes up to me like, "Oh, we're doing this push up and squat challenge at work," yep. and it's like progressively goes like, "All right, we're doing 100 a day," and then it turns into like the end of the month like we're doing 500. Like it was like f- something crazy like 500 in a couple of days or something like that, and 
guess what happened the next week? Knees, back, shoulders. And, okay, one argument could be that we were squatting wrong or pushing up wrong. I don't think that's the case. We can all push up and squat. It's we're doing too much of one thing and not giving our body a chance to rest and not giving a variety. Like, go do a push-up challenge. Go do a squat challenge, but do SFT squats. Do SFT push-ups. Maybe change your ranges of motion with them. Maybe when you're getting pretty sore one day, go up a little bit onto a box. And so you're not thinking, a push-up is this and a squat is this. Gosh. It's like you could do so much more with those squats and push-ups. And guess what happens at the end of the month? I feel so much stronger. I'm not in pain. I guarantee it. Yep. Let's set up a game plan and make it happen. And this goes to the point of, you know, Gary Gray loves the story, um, sharing that, you know, he was hired by some special forces in the U.S. military. We're talking the creme de la creme. And Gary doesn't like to boast, but I'll boast for him. It was the best of the best. And he says, I need to go in there and see what you guys, how you guys are are training. And they said they do this a lot. Push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and run. Four things. Those are amazing, phenomenal drills, but that's all they did. And they had label tears. Their shoulders were blown out. They had um, massively poor knees, and their lower backs were hurting. Now go ahead and jump out of a plane with 40 pounds of gear on your, on your back. Go do an amazingly complex over water, hills, terrain, mud, and you come back and you say that you're feeling good. No way. If my lower back's hurting, I'm in a bad mood. And I got to go trek 26 miles, save someone's life, or go do some nasty stuff and come back. That's going to be affecting me. Anyways, the U.S. military figured this sucker out and then said, we need to figure it out. And, different, and guess what Gary Gray did? He says, change it up, guys. That's all he said. And he actually went in. This is a cool, cool story. He says, I'm going to challenge you guys. He was in his 40s at the time. He says, I'm going to go challenge you, you guys, maybe early 50s, to a cone drill. And it was basically like a star cone, cone drill. In, in the center, go hit set north, go hit angles, da, da 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 And he beat them. He beat these ultra elite military guys. Beat them. And they were so pissed. It's like, who's this guy coming out of there? But guess what happened? A few weeks later, they beat Gary. Why? Progressive overload in multi-different dimensional movement patterns that they trained on. And guess what happened to their injury rate? It went down. Just makes sense. Uh, it just, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Just makes kinda sense. Kind of cool. Well, that was a cool topic. I appreciate your, your time. Energy. Any closing thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, man, go chase PRs, but chase all the PRs. Oh, I like it. Let's get chase PRs. I think we should make a shirt. PR chaser. Dude. I've been, I've been getting PRs for the past, like, seven years. Like, I think it's like I'm, I PR'd in, like, 600 different exercises. Some of them I haven't even re- revisited because I PR'd so good. <laughs> Chasing PRs, I'm going to have a compass on the back. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah. yeah. All right, it's going to happen. You heard, you heard it first. Okay. Chasing your energy. Yep. Check out the Gymnastics EDU website for more uh, shirts and... Um, beanies in the near future (laughs) peace take care hey y'all i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and if you did please share it with your fitness obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed with the trends and misinformation as you guys can see this podcast is basically a master class for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model 
relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.